Okay, mine's going. There we go. All right. Welcome to Seminar 26 Commentary. I am the director, Marcus Brady. Joining me today from the far, far reaches of California comes the fantastic Brian Oldham. Hello. And for two, there are two things that come from Texas. There's Steers and there's Frank Harbuck III. Am I here or am I not? I think you're still here. So. <laughs> We've, we've we've had technical issues and we're running now, so we're gonna see how it does. But uh, seminar twenty six brought together two fun two fun writers once again, uh, in Brian and Frank, for me to grind out two very very good yet hard shows because Brian made me do a lot more um, foley work than I ever thought I'd do. And Frank made me find the same asylum stuff for 26. <laughs> and he laughs about it. See that? See, see the abuse I take, people? See, that's the benefit of seminar commentaries. We can curse all we want. <laughs> it's an adult oh, rated don't show. Encourage me. Do not encourage me. It's an adult rated show, so we're rated R. And once again, the Dracula Suck bleeds us off. I used the exact same um, cart sequence that I used in the first one, I used in this one too. I just added some extra horses to it. <laughs> yeah, try and make it sound like a busy London street. Yeah, basically. This opening sequence was just full of of, of first come first serve roles. Yeah, I must stick there for detail when I come to writing scripts, aren't I? I love the passing of the newspaper was the funnest part for me. Hey, still at Walmart. What? Still at Walmart. Yeah, where I live, Walmart is known as hell. The trading of punches, and then I got that nice, that nice little um, improv of no, it's yours. I said I'm leaving that in because it works. I love. I I get quite a few good ad libs in the cast of Dracula Sucks, and since it's a comedy, the ad libs seem to work. And this is not easy to think of, especially when I'm playing right here. <laughs> Do what? Uh, of course, I like how you get here to play the attendant. It sort of fits with the joke. Yes. Viva la France! Give him an enema. Right, sir. And that was... <laughs> That blows that kind of sounded like that Lawrence kid from Blossom. Yeah, Kim Giannopoulos does a great little attendance for this one. Plus, she does Lucy, so she gave me like two separate voices on this show. Why didn't you tell me that she was a man? You didn't ask. Okay, that lady could dive up. Joke was based on a real incident with my dad. Oh, now you have to tell us. 
Uh, <laughs> one of my mom went to the New Orleans Jazz Festival years ago with some friends. And him and the buddy were waiting outside while the wives were shopping around. They look across the street, and there's this strip club, and there's one of the strippers handing out flyers trying to get people to go in. Pretty nice-looking girl. So they start going over there, and she flashes them a smile, raises that dress, and turned out she wasn't a full lady. <laughs> oh, man. That's just wrong. Yeah, so that's where that lady can die with jokes. <laughs> Of course, when they turned around and walked back to the shop, there was my mom and the buddy's wife laughing their ass off. He was the survivor of that ship that crashed. Why was he brought here? Plus, Chris, plus Christopher Medina, who does um, <clears throat> Dr. John Seward in this, um, he does a fun, a fantastic. Not another Jehovah's Witness. He does, he does some fantastic just vocal work in this for it, which is he really fits the character really, really well. Really. He's okay. Uh, he's okay. Hey, now. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I like, I like him. He did a good job. Mr. Renfield, my name is Dr. John Seward. I run this asylum. I was hoping to see someone in charge, but it's been a terrible mix-up. Oh, crap. Here and I here, am. And here you are, yes. Well, I am. My, my worst vocal actor, right here, playing Renfield. What on earth? I mean, God, it's such a horrible, horrible person who does this. Oh, God, that's Frank. Oh, sorry. Then let's get back to the interview. Thank you. I do try my worst. <laughs> the worst part is you did write yourself out of one whole script. So that was very entertaining. But I just. Uh, but <laughs> that's upcoming in the future. Well, it was hard right now trying to get the voice back down. I'm having to listen to my old recordings trying to make sure I get the voice back down like it was when I did these other games. So. so here's hoping it's all coming back to me now. Oh, God, I knew I shouldn't have listened to Meatloaf today. <laughs> all depends on what song you were listening to. Uh, <laughs> was it an old Meatloaf or a new Meatloaf? You know, yeah, pre- that help that too, and that pre pre drugs or post drugs. Honestly, it sounds like mm. you should be the one in here. Oh, uh, I'm gonna vomit. How long? I just listened to a whole bunch of meatloaf locked up in his cell. This is where we run off on a tangent. <laughs> only in part two of the show, and we're running off on tangents during it. <laughs> But you really do some fine writing in this. I mean, having the knowledge I have of future shows, the writing on this gets really, really good as it goes along. And I mean, it it really you you see the care the character portrayals that we've gotten through the voice actors are just a lot of fun. The worst part is poor Jared Page. I thought Wester Mr. Westerna was like a one time role, and so I just cast him in it real quick. Thing it'd be quick. I didn't realize that he was like a continuing on character because, as much as I know about Dracula, is from seeing like the Eddie Murphy one where he did like a vampire, and um, seeing um, and and reading uh, a lot of Anne Rice books. <laughs> so I don't know anything from like the original story really. You know, I know interview with a vampire. Uh, so it's like, you know, I think it's a small role. Uh, not so much. 
Also, little known fact that the, the party sequence in this, um, the the same background vocal that I used in the party sequence, I will huge I will use in the upcoming Times Quartet Part Three, which is also part of this. So, yeah, I reuse a lot of effects in the in the shows next to each other. It's it's really horrible of me, but I'm lazy and. <laughs> I hate to bring this up right now, but I'm concerned about something. I'm concerned about something. Oh, really? What is it? Lucy. Yeah, the... Yeah, Seward being neurotic about Lucy being the girl about town, that's also based off another person I knew. The other day, I saw Arthur... It's just with him, lights were on, no one was home. When 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 I gave Kim this role, I I sent her the script and she sent me back an email right away saying, "I love this role." Fell in the mud? Yes. Although it hasn't rained in days. Yes. It works for me. Nice ringing of the bells. That's the part that everybody goes through, I think, when after they hear shows that I do, because it's like, wait a minute, I didn't write that. Nice little pause. Oh, here's one of my favorite lines coming up. <laughs> Lucy, I am so proud of you. I thought I would never live to see you as a blushing virgin bride. Bullshit. 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 Oh, yeah, I ripped that off from uh, Robin Hood Mid and Tights. It was when, uh, <laughs> when With Prince the Maid Marion. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought, okay, I've got to steal it too good. <laughs> You're just wrong on multiple levels there. You know that, don't you? And like we said last time, Mel Brooks, if you're listening, don't sue, and I'd like a job, please. <laughs> oh, come on. Most of the stuff he's done, he's stolen from everybody else anyway. Theft is, theft is the lifeblood of comedy. Okay, now right there, Harker kind of confused me because instead of sounding like a surfer dude, he kind of sounded like one of the guys up, up here where I live. I live in a small town full of rednecks, so I'm thinking, wait a minute, is Harker supposed to be an idiot or a redneck? And then he realized it really isn't that much of a difference. Nice to meet you, Vladdy. Oh. Once again, Periwinkle gives me Dracula, which is fantastic. I thought I would try and fix it up. Maybe turn it into a place of business. Really? What did you have in mind? A museum, maybe? Perhaps a library? Excuse me, I mean, like I said, I, I love Periwinkle does Dracula so well. You'll never know when someone would have to make a withdrawal. It makes sense to me. Oh, 
If you'll excuse me, please. I have important business elsewhere. What a strange man. Yeah. That. Or he's just plain weird. Huh. And of course, back to the asylum. Yeah, back to the asylum for some more fun. I love I love doing the drag because I get to play with more of my eerie music. I just came from the party of Miss Lucy Westerna. Oh yes, she's a wild cat in a sack. Somehow I've gotten the impression that everyone knows that. So, what did you think of her? I just love how you don't have how you did that line. So, what did you think of her? I don't think I've ever. Ugh, seen a easy. I just remember flashbacks when I was at Portland High School. <laughs> <laughs> It's like those momentary hey, I was the one everyone went to. Really believe it. If someone needed to talk to someone else, I was the switchboard. So, yeah, basically, I'm like, okay, so what did they tell you? What the blah, 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 blah. I'm going to pay a visit to Lucy. But if you like me now, why would you want to visit Miss Lucy? Have you seen the rack on that woman? I'd be an idiot to pass that up. No offense, but I gathered that you like, well, men. This was a hard life I to think of right, right here. <laughs> I have seen empires rise to greatness and then fall into ruin. I have well, seen I was trying to think of Miller and I thought, yeah, what the, the hell, just go for broke. Only to be defeated by hmm. a single blow. What's your point? I think both ways. Oh, now really? I really didn't yeah. need to know that. <laughs> Surprisingly, that was easy to do that sound effect. The nasty imagery. The nasty imagery that you get. Okay, thank God, mine's over with. And now we move on to the rock star of the uh, shows here. <laughs> And I gotta say, I'm sorry, huh? Okay. Sorry, let me try and do Wayne's World. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! Well, like I was telling Brian, you know, right now I look at it this way the, the, the fight for Pendies is gonna be between Dracula Sucks and Times Quartet. At least from the scripts that I know of right now. Four Horsemen is easy. Comedy, that's hard. <laughs> But after dealing with part three of this show, I can't wait to read part four. Um, I'm going to be working on the second draft of that very soon. I just finished all of the client scripts for the season. Oh, and here we are. Um, some trivia for the listeners. Um, uh, McBride's best friend is named Meg, which is the name of the best friend in Phantom of the Opera. The main oh. character's best friend. I'm a big fan of the Oscar. She's not a field agent anymore. Uh, just know. like Agent Rosam in the last part was named after the actress who played the, lead the, the movie of Phantom of the Opera. Question on it. Lucky me. Hmm. Yeah. This um. This script took five drafts, working 
intensely with Marley. It's the most drafts I've ever done on the script. Um, and it was really, you know, I, I, I bowed down before editing because um, she really helped make a fantastic script. It was not half as good. Hey, I gotta tip my glass for her having patience, period. Yeah, except there's no dirt on the guy I was digging on. Now, um, the, the whole bribing politicians with, uh, by playing poker and listening to them, that was based on a real Jerry historical thing, the, the Teapot the Dome scandal from about 100 years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, it was over oil. You know, this Texas oil man just lost money in large sums from people on Capitol Hill. So, it, you know, it was all sort of public and in the open, and nobody saw that it was bribes for the first several months. I guess so. Yeah. I guess I can be quiet. Like a humble little doctor I have from finished mama's yeah. I played a power joke there, and I can't think and of one. Right. Yeah. Don't. Uh, and Don't Mel gave a great performance here because uh, McBride, last, in the last episode, she was kind of haughty. It's like she needed, she needed uh, a punch on the chin, you know. And I'm sorry. Actually, sounding rather humble here. You've been a better friend than I deserve. I'd love to have you on the project again. But we can't really start for a few days. The lab side first. I'll get me nervous and love So, what are you going to do now? Okay, I was pausing so that somebody else could say something. We were waiting for you. I was just trying to be watching. I always love your insights, Brian, because you really bring a lot to the table when you when you come to these. So um, I, I try to avoid interrupting you. Okay. Um, well, I wrote parts two and three pretty much at the same time. So you can see there's very close continuity between them. Like, I brought up the Revere floats again and the bikini that she bought in Hawaii. They're going to lock you up if you get within 100 feet of him. I know, I know. But I think yeah, I looked up restraining orders. Sometimes it's feet, sometimes it's yards. There's not a standard on that. You know, because they're they're you know law enforcement officers. I figure I've got to get those things right. Damn you, metric system. <laughs> well, it all, it all depends on who's issuing it. Yeah, my transitions are yeah. all like guitars. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, just, it's New York City. Yeah, um, and I love the actor. Uh, tell us again who the actor is playing the cabbie. Uh, Mackenzie Bishop. Where to? Do you know who Mort is? Yeah, Mackenzie Bishop. I need to get to his shop. Mort? He has the perfect yeah, right accent there. and you know, pacing. He, some classy stuff, he sounds, the prices, you know, he just nails the girl. idea of a New York cabbie. <laughs> well, the weird part is, really and when I read the script, now I'm I'm a person who's lived in New York. And I love how mm-hmm. you said, uh, how, how the line is take me to more take me to more and I'm thinking to myself you tell a cabbie that in New York you could wind up in some nasty neighborhood yeah how could I forget I cried but she was a little soldier so I go into and he shows me this watch that is just perfect 
I was like, that's not a direction. Yeah. But, um, I was a little worried about this character, because he essentially has a monologue that's a page and a half. Just like six words of McBride. Well, that actually sort of fits. That actually sort of fits if you've ever been in the New York cap, because you'll be lucky to get a word in edgewise. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, for some reason, every time I hear that cabby right there, I keep thinking the Godfather. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, even though it's never said, Mort's shop is just down on the Lower East Side, because I figure Mort's a Greenwich Village kind of guy. I know how to nail him now. He's not uptown? Really? Wow, that'd be weird. Well, I thought at first maybe he'd be on the Upper East Side, yeah. but I, I don't think he'd actually enjoy the sort of people who live on the Upper East Side, you know? I mean, you know, Greenwich Village, he closes up the shop, goes and gets a cup of coffee, here's a band play in some basement somewhere. So I'm guessing that you're a member too. Goes down to check on him. He's one of those type of guys. Do you have any idea what I've sacrificed for you? Yeah. And here we get to some foreshadowing. You will sacrifice much more. Just like in part two, Mort gave the cryptic riddle about the card game, which, you know, everybody's heard part three now, and knows what was going on there with the play your cards for what they're worth, not what their face value is. We're getting foreshadowing here now for part four. I feel bad for poor Frank. He's heard part one and part three. <laughs> um, the guest room, I, here. I got a note from Marley uh, about the wardrobe that was Vera Wang is um, that's, Vera Wang is immutable. Um, that was one of her script notes. And I so I actually thought of changing the little back dress to Coco Chanel because Coco is immutable. Ah, okay. I was expecting you. But Vera Wing is the sort of you know thing that people wear in these. One of my other names is Kronos. And of course, the Jimmy Chooser, a reference to Emsira uh, Garcia. Only certain key events in a person's life. Jimmy things that are likely to not be mutable. The magic oh. Jimmy Choo should be your size as well, Doctor. See, we, we have writers that reference actors in their scripts here. Uh, <laughs> mm. oh, oh, and right here. Um, Rosa. Oh, I loved Mel Please. fighting with that Allow me to bottle of Xanax. No. And there's also more displays that maybe he's not as nice as he shows to be because he's not saying, you're a drug addict, you should throw those away. He's saying, here, let me get you another... Let me help you get another Yeah. He's not interested in helping her, really. He's, but but I think it also it's one of those cases where she has to realize that she has to get rid of them, which is what occurs later on in the script. Yes. Very well. Although I think at this point everybody knows what's going to happen in part four. I can't. Like I said, I can't wait to see part four because, you know, I've seen all the parts now, and I'm, like, drooling. Especially with how I was able to twist the end of this a little bit to really add a little bit more foreshadow to it. And I can talk about that until I get to it, because I thought about that. Trust me, what I did at the end of this, I did at the last minute. It was a last-minute decision. And here's our here's our moving line. <laughs> right. I actually I put in this very complicated sound effects cue, which was private airplane landing, turning into limousine, zooming through DC, 
And that is exactly what you delivered. I was very, I was impressed. And then I would we go into this well, classical well music. Please oh, and this voice was just perfect. Um, yeah, and if people are wondering if I was saying anything by having a Texas cattleman, <laughs> um, it was nothing at all political. It was just purely, I wanted the all-American guy. And, you know, it's like, here he is, you know, he drinks Jack Daniels, he wears a cowboy hat, he loves baseball. So it's, uh, put in John Wayne. Yeah, just, basically. Just about. This is Chris yeah, and, it, and it's sort of, you know, it's like Mort is the very well manicured gentleman and Mal is the surfer. And then this guy is, you know, John Wayne. Of course, I had to slip in a reference to Rosenblum Sellers Chocolate Pork. Yeah, I noticed that. I was like. Ooh. Um, <laughs> now, Rosenblum Cellars Chocolate Port is a real port wine mm-hmm. that's infused with chocolate liqueur, and it is vintage on the island of Alameda, which is my hometown. And, more foreshadowing, Part 4 takes place on the island of Alameda. Ooh. Now, the weird, now, one thing I've done here is something I don't normally do, is I actually took one actor and put it in one ear, one actor and put it in the other ear. I hate when people do that. But I did it with a reason. Is because I'm gonna slide Mort right in the middle of him, and he's gonna take up both channels. And the reason I did that was because he becomes our separating force between these two. This battle, basically, that's occurring in a game of cards. Your cards. And it is. Oh, and there's a, a real Texan in Jay Cockburn as the waitress. Yes. Except the funny thing is, MJ put on like this, you know, to meet you, Mr. accent for that. And who's going to judge the value of these bets to ensure they're equal? Yeah, she gave us a, a little bit of an up accent, which was we need an very, very cool. Yeah, so you're saying more slides in as the arbiter between them. Yeah, as the dealer, the arbiter, and everything. And this, and this is also where I had to do a lot of folding. Thank you very much. Do you realize how hard it is to foley with two microphones and a deck of cards? <laughs> oh yes, but oh, oh, we don't have visuals. <laughs> I love her delivery on that line. We'd also like you to judge. Tells the truth and the lie at the same time. I'm not time. a card player, but yes, I believe I can do these things for you. Well, Melissa just knows this character now, I think, and she really gets into the role. Yeah. It's me. What's your Annie? And I love just how relaxed um, Salmon is in his skin. He's just you know, very comfortable. You know, he's used to being the boss. How do I know you didn't just uh, make Chris Jillian, I mean, when he I'm gave sorry, me this voice when he auditioned, I said, okay, he's cast, Fair because enough. the voice was just too good to pass up. Mm-hmm. The names and dates of two shipments coming yes. out of the U.S. And I love the game. The poker game is the part of the episode that changed the most from draft to draft, because Marley thought that face down. The, the first time around, it was um, it was uh, Texas Hold'em, and there wasn't enough tension. So the next time around, it was draw, and she felt that the bets weren't enough. I wasn't, I literally was not raising the stakes. Yes, I know, Mal. We don't. And 
that's where we came to the point of Rosa throwing in her life. It's like, you know, Rosa offers to work for the bad guy to create a plane that could kill everyone. You could just walk in, breathe in, and how committed she is. You're the one who nabbed him. And the music on this background is actually a quartet, which I did on purpose. Ah. <laughs> I, I, do love, I do love your Foley work with me scribbling more, with the pencil. is worth more to you than that. Well, it's not that okay. the, the card, when he deals the cards, you actually hear it deal and land. I actually, I actually was sitting here recording the deal, and then I was recording a card landing. And I'll tell you now, cards don't make a lot of noise when they land. A CD <laughs> I actually had to sit there. I was almost slamming them down. I mean, it's like basically more throwing the cards at me. Okay. Yeah. But you have to exaggerate this things in audio. And don't know. And I love how when more dealt them, you could also very clear, like clearly hear one for him, one for her, one for him, one for her. Yeah, that was that was hard too because I had to. I was literally sitting there with little streaks of of noise, lining them up to move them in the right direction. That was like, yeah. Mama, not only that, that was just a, a time. Like I said, you made me do so much foley on this, and that's like I'm trying to pull it together and make it sound like they're going in the right direction and landing where they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they each get their cards. I apologize. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. Now, only affecting humans and no other animals. I love how cool he is. I mean, of course, what's being unsaid in this conversation is everybody knows that. That this James is the one who invented the uh, pathogen that infected the weed. I want you mm-hmm. um, in a cell. Next oh, and now. something. Nothing personal. The, Just the, the, the horsemen are actually way never way. mentioned in this episode because I felt like but we I did the whole big reveal myself. thing in the previous you one. I didn't want to go. Ha! I know you're famine. Let's not stop the hand there. So, Let's raise the bed. Um, I win. So this is almost standalone in that we don't get into any of the back mythology. Yeah. But again, this this whole sequence and this ending, which is so much, it was a lot of work to, but it was a lot of fun to do too because of the character interactions that you wrote into it. The the lines go together so well, and it's so tight fitting with each character giving only so much until this very last deal. You know. When it comes down to the last bet, really. Yeah, and really, that's, again, Marley... I give this long pause. Oh, hell, I fall. <laughs> I can't take that kind of... Day. I give that long you know, pause. I mean, Marley, I'll be good right now. Can I trust you to keep your word? This Rosa, really, I'm a gentleman. We iterated this dialogue. Everything that happened in the last them, but I five minutes changed and fuss. polished. Very good. You have delivered on your half of our deal, Doctor. The performance is really good anyway. this table. Mort is merely assisting. And more foreshadowing for next episode. I feel like if people Overrated don't know what's going to happen at the end of part four, Darling, I mean, if they're actually surprised, then I didn't hammer Watch him the foreshadowing. Yeah, well, I love that you foreshadow oh, everything. You foreshadow um, Mort. You foreshadow a, a lot of stuff with it in this. And... Um, mm-hmm. The phone call, I love something you did here. Yes, this is, this is the best part. The call, but then you hear her voice then, on the other end, basically. Yes, basically, we're listening through Bomb's phone, whoever yeah. Bomb is. Which is the, which is the idea. The idea. And also, because it allows me, if you, it's a transition of the music 
to creepy music. Perfectly gives us the darkness of it. And then I bring up this loud... I was literally changed to the last minute because I wanted to go dark on the end of this. Yeah. And I, I got my chance. Yeah. But I, I like 26. Um, 26 was a lot of fun to do. And I think it's so far so so far it's the best the best show of this season. Uh, <clears throat> twenty five is good. I I, I like twenty five out of the box. Twenty six though, because of the shows that are in it. I mean I've had a little bit of time to work with, especially Times Quartet. Um and I was really getting into Dracula sucks. It really built them up a bit. So um it was a lot of fun to have. But I thank you both for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you. I, I appreciate the honor was yours. <laughs> yes, the honor is always mine when I get right well, on because, you know, I'm just a lowly director. <laughs> Down here in my mind. So at this point, we're going we're, we're, we're gonna to wrap this up because the credits are playing and I don't want to overrun the credits again. So um, we're going uh, to let Brian stay us off because he's off for a few shows until we get part four of Times Quartet. So, Brian, what do you want to say to say goodnight to everybody? Melissa Hearn has been cried. Seminar needs scripts. Marissa Gentry is Meg. Chris Jellin is Fane. And Jay Cogburn is the waitress. And Mackenzie Bishop is the cabbie. Written by Brian Martinez Oldham. Directed by Marcus Beatty. Written by Catherine Pride. Edited by Marley Norton. Seminar theme by David Alexander McDonald. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2009, Pendant Productions. Seminar co-created by Catherine Pride and Jeffrey Bridges. Copyright 2009, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.